Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast. My name is Nathan Sutherland, and this podcast is dedicated to helping families love God and use tech. Uh, this is the Liam Neeson edition, uh, because uh, not because he's going to be on this episode, but because I managed to lose my voice this weekend. Uh, I have no idea how I was at Thanksgiving dinner with my family and partway through the dinner. This happened to me. Uh, actually, I went completely mute uh, for... Like I couldn't make squeaks or any kind of a sound for about three days. And this morning is the first time I can actually finish full sentences, much to my family's chagrin. Uh, I think they've been enjoying the peace and quiet. But because of this, uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump straight into this conversation. No interlude, no uh, preview. We're just going to go in because I'm not sure how long this will last. So... With that being said, what are we talking about today? Uh, today, we are talking about three things parents need to know, or um, as I like to say it, just the permission to parent, uh, which is where we're starting. So this is a conversation where I've been wrestling after giving these talks and talking with lots of parents and responding to online messages and emails, um, having parents come and be like, hey, we, we absolutely love this workshop. We love the podcast. We are so encouraged by all this. And then to have one person who uh, is a very close personal friend come to me be like, hey, listen, I've, I've listened to your live talk. I've, I've listened to the podcast. But then I get home and I'm like, yeah, but what do I even do with this information, right? Like that last step, which is the entire point of all of this work is to help apply it in that last step. I don't want this to be theory. Um, I want this to be helpful and applicable like today, this afternoon, whatever time of day you're listening, like with your own family. So uh, I guess three things we're going to talk about today. The first is going to just be this idea that I want you to hear from someone that you have permission to parent. This is not uh, under the assumption that you're not parenting. But I believe that as a parent, I experience this. And I believe that I'm not the only one where sometimes we just feel like maybe we're just out of touch. And so we don't act because, man, I just don't know, like, especially in the area of technology, like this is a new generation of kids. And I can think of how my parents didn't really get me. And like, I don't want to be that parent and be too hard on my kid because, you know, you know, kids when their music, you know, the get off my lawn attitude. Um, and instead I want us to actually be willing to parent in, in what is a reasonable way to parent. Uh, and what that looks like is two things. One is going to be trust your gut, right? Listen to those spidey senses. So it may just be that you are in fact out of touch with technology, that the feeling in your stomach is just indigestion, or maybe it's because you're nervous about the new things and you don't really know why someone would like something like that. It's not really your style. Like that is absolutely possible. Um, however, you've got to figure that out uh, because if you don't figure that out, then you'll never know were you just wrong or is some giant looming issue coming that just has got the sense of foreboding, it's building anxiety and you don't know what's going on, right? You don't want to be living with that. So instead, what you're going to do is you're going to go have a conversation with your kid, right? And this could be a child of six, right? There's a there's an appropriate conversation where a child of six comes and says, hey, mom or dad, I want to play this game, or I want a smartphone, or I want to watch this show, or I want to watch this movie, or I want to do anything, but we're talking about technology, so let's keep it in the realm of tech. Um, and you're like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm just not comfortable with that, right? Like something in your brain is going, man, I've watched you play that before. I've watched you come back from that, and something is off in this situation. And your job is simply to start asking questions, right? Like, hey, that's great. You love this game. Let's watch this game together, right? Let, let's go watch what this is about. Let's go see if this is a good fit for our family. Now on the video game side, under gospeltech.net 
resources. I, I actually have six questions you can talk to your kid about. Like, hey, does the character line up with what we'd expect? Are the themes appropriate for our family? Is the time what we expect for your game? Right? Like, There's a way to do that. But just in big picture, let's talk to our kid about it because one of two things is going to happen. I guess technically three, but two are the main things. <clears throat> when you have this conversation with your child, um, you're going to get to see into your child's world and why this stuff matters to them, which in turn is going to help it matter to you. So even if this game is not the appropriate one, it's a really good chance that wasn't the only thing that intrigued your kid. It's something about games that draws your kid or something about shows or Broadway productions and musicals or music of that variety or social media, like whatever it is, there's something in there that's making your kid tick and you want to find out what that is. And that's from six to 17, right? We want to still be investing and digging and hearing uh, where our children are at and why they're there. So that's the first thing you're going to get is this little bit of like, man, I still, I'm still not into it, but like, I can see why my kids into it. And that makes it matter to me now, right? Like I want to know more about this. And the second is you're going to get exposed to new ideas and you're going to get to weigh its value in general or in your value to specific people like your children. Like you might go, Oh man, I can totally see why this version of social media has replaced email, right? Like I can see why kids are into this. Like I'm not into this. Or you might say like, wow, this is a huge push. And kids are into it because they're being told it's important, but it's actually destructive. Like you're going to be able to now make that decision because you're not just going to be hearing someone else's opinion, right? You're not just going to be uh, studying this from afar in a theoretical manner of like, well, this is how algorithms could impact crowds of people, right? No, you're talking, this is my child that I care about. And your spidey sense is immediately going to do one of two things. It's either going to escalate and go, oh no, this is way worse than I thought. <laughs> like I absolutely was right. I had like a, just a whiff of it. And now I can see and smell the rot and this is terrible and toxic. And I can have that conversation with my child. Child, I love you, six-year-old, 12-year-old, 16-year-old. I love you. And this thing doesn't, right? This is not loving. This does not line up with what God says about you. This does not reflect what we want from you in life or for you in life. This will not help you build healthy relationships. I know this looks like belonging, but it's not the real thing, right? You can, you can now say that as someone who's on your kid's team, not as the technology police who are looking to crack down on fun. Uh, this Or the other side, it goes away. And now you get this uh, more clear picture of what is healthy and unhealthy in technology, right? There are some things that just, it's new and I don't really like it, but then I get in there and I'm like, oh, you know what? There's actually a lot of good to this. Um, and then there's the opposite side. We're like, oh man, no, this was, this is not the case. So uh, on the, on this side, that's, that's first is trust your gut as being part of being a parent, Trust your gut, listen to that spidey sense because it's only going to work out well and not doing that, even if it does turn out fine, that isn't because you ignored it. Like it just happened to be fine. So like that's not a good strategy in the future. In the case your child gets themselves into a dangerous situation, right? You are going to be that much harder to reach um, because you've isolated yourself. Because when your child comes and goes, well, hey, I made this mistake, your reaction now is like, why would you do that? Right, because you don't have the context of either how easy it was, or how prevalent it was, or what the pressure was to do that, or just the temptation and how readily available it was. Like now, you're going to blame your child for what really was just an accident waiting to happen. Right? They're juggling on a ladder. Like at some point, they're going to fall off, and we need to make sure that we have the context to understand that, so that we're not blaming our child for mistakes. Instead, we're loving our child in their mistakes and bring them back. Think about the way God handles this in the gospel, right? God goes, man, you guys are so messed up. You're so deserving of complete retribution and justice on my end. It's so bad that I'm actually going to send my son to die in your place. Like 
that's God's answer to his complete justice is I'm going to pay for this, right? And that's what he tells Abraham, and that's what is promised in Jeremiah and Isaiah and all the way till we get to the gospels and that good news fulfilled in Jesus. So we're going to live that out for our kids. The second part of this freedom to trust your spidey sense is that as a parent, you get to set boundaries, right? One of the most loving thing God has ever done for us is set boundaries. In fact, it's because he is love and he is good that there are boundaries in the first place, right? If, if you think if there, if he wasn't good as, as like the definition of good, if that's not his character and his nature is good and love, then there is real no definition. It's just kind of whatever you want, right? Relativism takes over. It's like telling someone in outer space to go north, right? Well, there's, there's no relevance in space for north, right? There's no north in space. Uh, there might be a right and left, but there's no north. <clears throat> On earth, though, we have a north, and it has a magnetic pull, and that matters for direction, because no, how, no matter how far you travel east, you will never reach north on the planet earth, right? Like, that's important for us to know. Therefore, when we're talking to our kids, we do establish a right and wrong based on what the gospel says, based on God's truths. We're now teaching wisdom because wisdom is a thing. It reflects the character of God, right? And foolishness and evil do not reflect. They either corrupt or distract from the character of God. So we can now train our children up in the way they should go, not to follow the rules, but to say, hey, these rules remind us of what God looks like, of who God is, and they give us this ability to say, am I headed the right direction, right? They give us a north. And so it is loving to set up boundaries that reflect that north, right? <clears throat> God says, I'm, I'm good and I'm right, and everything that lines up with me is therefore good and right, and everything that isn't of me is not good and right. And we teach that to our children, right? Um, this can include, let's take it right down to tech. <clears throat> when is tech gonna be used, right? When is tech going to be right and good for our children? Meaning when is it going to make the most of their opportunity to love others and to experience real joy, not just distraction, and to use the skills and talents God's equipped them with and basically to do anything to bring glory to God and not detract from it. So uh, when is tech going to be used in the morning, in the evening, during school, at home, during meals? Like what, what is the standard for that as a family? And yeah, that's going to take a conversation, but I'm giving you permission right now to have that conversation. Do it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it right every time. That's actually part of this process, but doing it in love. Um, where is tech going to be used? It's going to be in the bedroom. Is it going to be in a public space? Are they going to have it on their person? What kind of tech is going to be used? What, what's your family going to do with video games and smartphones and tablets? What are they going to do with the Wi-Fi and a home network, e-readers, shows and movies, <clears throat> with music, with podcasts, right? Like, let's, let's have those conversations. What is tech going to be used for? Like, what kinds of games are we going to play if games are acceptable, right? It's okay to play video games. It's also okay to not. Right? right now, my family's in a season where we're not playing video games, mainly because of my life and my inability to handle them. Uh, it's okay to not be on social media, but it's also okay to be on social media. But we're going to do it in loving ways. We're going to do it intentionally. We're going to make sure we know what we're getting into. It's okay to not have any streaming services. Right? It's also okay to have all of them. The point isn't, do you have streaming? The point is, why do we have streaming? Um, and it's okay to have expectations around things like smartphones and computer use. I loved just uh, this. I had a conversation this past week with a, a former student, now friend, uh, who just dropped this truth bomb on me, and I loved it. He was talking about his video game playing specifically, but it definitely applies to other tech. So he's talking about his video games. He's like, yeah, 
you know, he's, he's like, I remember what you said when, you know, we were in class and how you were, you know, teaching us on this stuff. And I, I guess I've just kind of dropped off on some of these games. And I really focused my effort into these other games. Now he's 20. Oh man, I think he's 22 now. Uh, and he still an avid gamer, still deep into just a, a drool tech and like enjoying tech for tech's sake. And this was his quote. He goes, I guess I just want to make sure I game because I enjoy it. Not because I hate my life. <laughs> that, that's such a key quote for us, right? I want to do this because I enjoy it. I want to watch this show. I want to play this game. I want to listen to this music. I want to do all these things because they bring joy and because they're, they are fun and they bring me closer to others. And they help me think big ideas and that's all great, but I don't want to do it because I'm just escaping from the reality God put me in, right? I don't want to do it because I hate my life. And this is the only thing that makes life bearable. And as soon as we get there, which is what I got to with video games, right? Video games became my pinnacle. They became the thing I was pursuing through everything else. Um, we don't want to do that. And I think that conversation is key with our kids. And so the second point, so we trust our gut. The second thing is we set boundaries so that our kids can see very quickly that this is or isn't good, right? It helps us see that reset. Hey child, this is helping, or this is hindering your relationships and responsibilities, your enjoyment, your sleep, your emotions, and your time, right? The reset acronym gives us a really clear opportunity to set boundaries and then to push back when those boundaries are crossed. Say, hey, I saw that you you are tapering off in this area, right? Your sleep is suffering. Your attitude is suffering. Your friendships are suffering, right? The you that I know and love and have seen God make into this amazing young man or young woman, I see it suffering. Now that can be a real simple conversation with a five and six-year-old, right? I have it with my kids. Hey, you watch this show. Your attitude always shifts. We are not going to watch that show anymore. I love you too much to allow this to continue, right? I can say that now because I love my child and I have boundaries out of love, right? Second thing is exactly that. So if the first point is we get to parent by trusting our gut and by setting boundaries, the second thing is um, we get to parent in love, not in fear, right? Just let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, right? It forgives. It's going, we're forgiving our kiddos 70 times seven. <laughs> like that's a lot of times to forgive the same silly thing, but it's patient. It isn't a, a, a doormat, right? It's constantly pushing back and reminding them this is not who you were designed to be. It's constantly forgiving ourselves and allowing ourselves to go ask for repentance, say, I made a mistake. I'm calling that out for what it is. I'm bringing it to the light of God and saying in light of God's truth, this is wrong. <clears throat> it's patient. Love is kind. Right? It thinks of others and it thinks with empathy, right? Puts ourselves in their shoes. It doesn't say, man, that must stink, but it says, no, I know that that stinks, right? And it allows that to ruin your day. When something bad goes on in your kid's life, when something bad happens with technology, we don't just feel indignation and then anger at our children, which brings shame and that doesn't have a good solution. <clears throat> Instead, it brings forgiveness and it brings suffering alongside them um, and allowing ourselves to even feel the embarrassment and the shame that this happened. We can blame ourselves a lot. Forgiveness needs to come into that. Empathy needs to come into that. And remember, this is our child. We love this child. And we're going to keep fighting for this child, not just with them. Love doesn't envy or boast. So we're not pointing to how good we are or looking to other people's kids, right? Why can't you be more like Sally and Johnny? That's not, that's not what we're doing. Uh, instead, when things go well, we praise God. And when things go badly, we dive right in. Love is not arrogant or rude. We're not coming at a position of power or authority. Uh, we're coming at one from, uh, from a position of humility and grace. Again, like Jesus, not saying, Hey, I'm in heaven and I'm awesome. You need to be more like me, right? 
The father said so. And he goes, no, dad, I'm voluntarily setting aside my, uh, my, well, okay. Setting aside my, my godness, right? And I'm becoming a man. And in that I'm going to live this life in this broken world. And I'm going to suffer like they suffer and die like they die in their place. (laughs) And actually in the process, take on all of their sin marked as the perfect lamb right? That my blood will pay for all of theirs. And that's crazy. And that's what we could extend to our kids. And love doesn't demand its own way, right? So being a parent doesn't mean you get your own way. And I think this is really key. something I need to be reminded of. Um, last week, I brought up that uh, book, Shepherding Your Child's Heart or A Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. And I think this is an area I need to be reminded that it's not, I've been deputized by God to run your life, child. Um, that's not That's not what it is. It's, I've been gifted by God, this opportunity to serve and love you, right? So yes, the parent is the head of the child, just like the husband is the head of the wife and husbands. That doesn't mean you get your own way. I don't know your church. I don't know where you're learning your, your scripture from, uh, but we're actually told specifically as husbands to love our children or to love our wives, like Christ loved the church. And the next line is, and gave himself up for her right? So husbands, your headship in a family is to die to yourself every single day so that your spouse can have life, right? To give up that thing you really want, or even that thing you deserve because you have been loving and you have been on your A game and you have been crushing it. And you really have these desires of your heart that do need to be met. You have needs, you're a person, and yet you forego them. The same way Christ forwent sleep and forwent his just deserts as as part of the triune God, right? He did, He gave all of that up. He gave up his right to be indignant when people mocked him, when people came to him and asked him for more signs after he just fed 15,000 people, right? Like he did all of these things and repeatedly gave himself up to the point of death where he said, I love you. And this love isn't limited to what's convenient for me right now. Parents, this is what it is with our kids. We don't demand our way. We lovingly hold forth the gospel to our children and we continually remind them of that. So with your child with a bad attitude, right? Yeah, that can look like timeouts and consequences, certainly, but the why matters, right? I love you. That was an appropriate way to talk to your sibling, to talk to your parents, to handle that situation. We're going to deal with this situation. We're going to have consequences because I love you, not because I'm mad at you, not because I want to quote unquote, teach you a lesson, right? But I'm actually going to point you back to the Bible because the Bible teaches the lesson, right? Jesus teaches the lesson. The heart changes where the lessons come from. You can hear the Bible all you want. It won't change you. I'm sure we all know perfectly well-educated, biblically literate people who are angry and bitter and spiteful and not loving and not reflecting Christ, right? Because... They know all the rules. They don't know the Savior. So we are going to love our children, not demand our own way. Love is not irritable or resentful, right? Consequences are not to make us feel better. They're actually to build the character of our children, to build wisdom and to deter them from being fools. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love carries the heavy loads of the weak. It believes always in others. It always hopes and it always endures uh, whatever the Lord brings to us. Love never fails. And this is, if you want to read this for yourself, if you want to read this every day this week, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 is what we just read, okay? So that that's the second thing. As parents, let's remember to parent in love, to parent out front, right? To go and to trust our spidey senses, to build those loving boundaries, but to make sure they're in love, not in fear. And when they are in fear, we call it what it is. It's like, man, I'm super scared of this thing. I need to know more about it, right? Is this fear just because I think my kid might make mistakes because I've made mistakes? 
Or is this fear based on, no, like something's off and I can tell this will be harmful, but I just don't know why. Have that conversation. Your kid needs to hear you have that conversation. Your kid needs to have that conversation with you and it's going to allow them to see how you get through this logic, how you pray through stuff. You don't have all the answers, right? You're getting this stuff because you ask God to lead and guide you and they need to know how to listen to that voice and you can show them in this process. The third, finally, is trust those uh, loving actions and remember that parenting does require action. Your child needs to actively be loved, to be led, and to be known. It's the exact same way you and I need to have daily time with our Heavenly Father to be refreshed and reminded of whose we are. Our children need that time to be reminded of whose they are and what gives them value. And it's not you and I, right? It's not our rules that are going to make them good. If it was, then every one of our children's mistakes is our fault and we should feel bad about it. And every one of our children's successes is our fault as well. And we should now take pride in that, which we know are two of the most toxic ways to parent, right? Is to blame our children for making mistakes as it makes us look bad and to take credit for our children's successes. Like that's, that's terrible. So instead, we love our children, remind them of their value in Christ, which is where our love for them comes from. We don't love our kids because they're good. We don't love them because they earn it. We love them because they're our children and we love them because we were first loved. We also have made mistakes. We've also run away. We see the hurt they're experiencing or even the hurt they're headed for and we want to love them more than that, or we love them enough to want more than that for them, right? So we actively parent. Our child may want a phone. They may want to watch a movie. They may get bored. They may struggle with a healthy reset. They may get into trouble online and make some terrible decisions. And the gospel says we can do something about it in love. So what, what can we do then in love? What does that look like? The first thing is we're going to, specifically in the area of unhealthy tech, we're going to remove it. We're going to take away tech that does not help. We're going to hold at bay tech that isn't going to help, right? But tech that's already here, we have the parental right to remove it. Maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's a favorite show. Maybe it's a smartphone. Maybe it's a computer. Maybe it's home Wi-Fi. I don't know what it is. But in your, maybe it's a tablet, right? Whatever that thing is, you have the parental right to remove that, okay? Again, we're talking about kids who are under the age of 18. If you have an adult living in your home, different world and story right now. Let's focus on these other kids that we're still developing as young people. (laughs) We remove the offending tech and we replace it with healthful and healthy options that will help them glorify God. So what do we do? We find that that smartphone's a problem. We go and get a Gab wireless phone. We get a wise phone. We find that that video game is a problem. We have the conversation. We say, here's where this game does not line up. Here's where this game is actively hurting you hurting our family, hurting your character, whatever it is. And then we find either an alternative game or an alternative activity, right? You got to make sure you have the space for that activity. You got to make sure you have a priority on that activity. So it makes its way into your calendar, not just a hypothetical, well, we'll take away your video games, but Hey, I'll, I'll take you water skiing next year, right? Like that's not going to work. I need something to do this weekend, dad. So we're going to replace that. We have the, we need to make the time in our schedule. So the priority in our schedule, we need to make the money available, the resource available, and we need to make the uh, location available. So I need, it needs to be basically what I'm trying to say is replacement activities have to be rooted in reality, not in just good intentions. Then we're going to build a hedge. We're going to build a safety net around two specific things, our home network and our personal devices. Some of you just freaked out when I said that. uh, And I know you freaked out because I've had parents come to me and be like, I will pay you any amount of money. I'll pay you a thousand bucks to come do this in my house. And the reason I don't do it is you can do this and it doesn't have to be you're a professional whatever hacker and you can keep your child away from 100% of the mistakes they could make online because that's actually not your job as a parent. Again, 
your child's mistakes aren't your fault. Your job as a parent is to intentionally set up safety nets so that your child knows when they're making a mistake. If they choose to circumnavigate home defenses, there certainly will be repercussions and consequences, but that's not on you. But giving your child a smartphone um, without any form of accountability, giving your child access to the internet without any form of accountability and love to know that there's another set of eyes that's gonna see all this stuff uh, is is like handing your child a, a firearm without a safety on it, right? Like, Firearms are dangerous. We know that. They have a purpose. We know that too. To hand one to someone without a safety built on is silly, right? That That's just straight up dangerous. And so we want to make sure that we are training our children for the pros and the cons of technology in the same way. We're going to build that hedge. You can do this. Um, there are wonderful opportunities to learn from that. One of the one of the great sites, if you want a, a walkthrough right now, we're developing some, but the best one I've seen right now to walk you through, how do you make your network safe in a, in a loving way, not in a feared way, uh, is Protect Young Eyes. Uh, Chris McKenna over there works with Covenant Eyes, um, and he has a, just a great list of resources, but basically it comes down to Bark is a resource for uh, filtering the content, and the Griffin router is a one-stop shop for making your home network safe. And between those two, you can do personal devices and you can do your home network. I believe in you. Take the 15 to 30 minutes it'll take to learn this from you know nothing about the internet to you know enough to keep your family safe and to set up parental protections. Trust yourself on this. It's the reason I'm not doing that as a full-time job because it would pay better. But that's not my goal. My goal is to empower you to have these conversations, and I know you can do it. Third thing is we need to celebrate those health, those healthy choices, right? This is what we can do. So we can remove and replace. We can build a hedge around our technology to lovingly set those boundaries uh, and in, in light of what is true and right, right? Not just boundaries we arbitrarily are setting because we don't like it, but because we've we've prayed through it and we had these conversations, we're talking out with our kids. And finally, celebrate those healthy choices, right? Make an intentional effort to catch your child doing something right. Did they start a project on their own? Did they ask a friend to come and play? Did they finish their work without having to be heckled, right? Did they excel at something they've been working hard at uh, and that God has skilled or equipped them to do, right? Um, these are things where we're going to praise our children, but also praise them uh uh, how to word this. We're going to praise what we see God doing in them is what I'm trying to say. We're going to say it out loud, not just in our head, not just in our journal. We're actually going to tell our child, right? So for my children, I'll be like, son or daughter, I love the way you treated your sibling there. I, I love the way you've been working on that so hard today. I love the way you really struggled on that one song on the piano, right? But you came back and you did it better. And now you can play with your left and your right hand. And that's so amazing to watch. I'm watching the way God is building your ability to do these hard things, right? Because God is the one who gave them these gifts. And frankly, my kids are better at some stuff already than I am. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, yeah, you're working hard at that, but God has also wired you to be good at this. And that's really cool. And I want to encourage that and praise that and equip that. And I want to remove distractions from it. And I just want to generally acknowledge it. And as parents, we get this cool opportunity to just speak life into these things. And these are things I can tell you right now as a uh, man in his later 30s, um, that I know for a fact my mom and dad spoke life into my public speaking and into my uh, character, right? Not, yes, they trained me in that, but then they also just said, hey, you're good at these things. So that by the time I was an adult, 
It did not come to as a surprise that these are my good things. I know these. I also know my weaknesses, right? I know that organization could be a struggle. I know that taking on too many things can be a struggle. I know that trying to do 20 things at once can be a struggle for me, right? And I know that right, these are hearts and issues and um, passions that I've got. And my parents have helped me see that. They spoke life into that early and often. And as I've progressed, right, that that's what led me to teaching. That's what led me to quit teaching. That's what led me to podcasting today. Um, is God using those encouragements and reminding me, hey, like I've equipped you for something. Make sure that you're using the gifts I've given you. So um, today, my encouragement simply is just that. Parents, I hope you feel equipped and empowered and even allowed to parent, right? You can uh, trust your gut and those spidey senses. You can therefore set boundaries in love, not in fear. And as a parent, you can um, act out in love, uh, what your child needs, right? You can remove the unhealthy stuff and replace it with healthy. You can build a hedge and you can celebrate those positive and loving and um, Christ-like choices your children are making as they continue to grow uh, into who God is making them to be. So I hope this was encouraging. I'm going to sign off because I can feel my voice fading, but I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Uh, would you think about sharing it with someone? Would you check us out on gospeltech.net? Join us at Love God Use Tech on Facebook and Instagram if you're there. Uh, you can email me directly, Nathan at gospeltech.net, because uh, we are lining up for 2022. We're lining up workshops. We're traveling. So if you're not in the Northwest, that's cool. Uh, we have some people out in the Midwest, East Coast. Uh, we are looking to book some talks and support some families and ignite these conversations about how do we love God and use tech uh, and really equip families to do that within their family and then within their communities uh, so that it's not just Nathan extending ideas he thinks are good, but actually parents being empowered to fight for their kids, not just with them, to love their children and to raise kids who love God and use tech. So join us next week as we continue this conversation about how we can love God and use tech. Thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a minute to let you know that just like you and your family, Purposely is also part of a family, the Krista Family of Ministries. Krista helps kids and teens learn and grow in their faith at King Schools and Miracle Ranch Camp. And Krista shares Jesus with people in the poorest, most remote places through World Concern. Krista Senior Living is a community of love and care, and Krista Media is a place of hope on the radio. God is changing lives through these five ministries, and Krista is on mission to share the good news of Jesus. To learn more, visit Krista.org.